0: This is Star Talk. Welcome to Star Talk All-Stars. I'm Jan Levin, your All-Star host for the day. I'm an astrophysicist and author. Joining me as co-host is the funny Matt Kirschen, hey. host of probably science. Hi, thank Matt. You, Jenna. How's it going? Welcome back.
1: Well, thanks for having me back.
0: <laughs> it's been like 10 minutes. <laughs> yeah, it's nice to be here in space. <laughs> it's great to have you. And I also want to introduce one of my favorite people in the world, joining us in the studio, Ray Weiss.
2: Well, thank you, Jonathan.
0: Otherwise known as Rainer Weiss <laughs> <laughs> for long. <laughs> great to have you. Ray is Professor Emeritus uh, from MIT. He is also one of the original architects of the LIGO detector, which announced the detection of gravitational waves last year. It was this year. Why does the prompt say last year? Well, it happened last (laughs) year. It happened last year. (laughs) Sorry, guys. (laughs) (laughs) It was one of the most groundbreaking discoveries of modern astrophysics Mm -hmm. and very personally important to me Ray is uh, one of the founders of the LIGO instrument and continues to work on the instrument all the time as I know because I've been to the sites with you <laughs> you kindly let me perform yes in the heat of Louisiana it was amazing so it's so great to have you here we're going to talk about LIGO and gravitational waves and black holes so I think what we want to draw out is why this discovery was so important I think that when people heard about it it was so the whole world stopped in February 11th when the announcement was made and for a minute it was so exciting everybody was frozen and then i felt like an hour later people just weren't sure what it was all about <laughs> it's hard to understand
1: i mean i have got it covered because i'm obviously good on these things but just for everyone else if you could just kind of give a vague over... <laughs> well,
2: i'll yep. try but i you know i, I was as mystified <laughs> as you in the fact that it had this enormous public recognition oh yeah I mean, you take other Were things. Were you surprised? So you a, made I email. was more than surprised. I was yeah. flabbergasted, to be honest with you. Oh, really? I mean, I, I mean my, my first real instinct that it had permeated the society was when I came to New York to come and visit you at oh, the yeah. at, at the Pioneer, Pioneer Works. works. Yeah. And I get in the subway, and there's this sign that says, you know, scientists can find gravitational waves, but they you can't find an apartment in New York with an old walk-in closet. Right. I said, where in the hell does that come
0: from? <laughs> yeah, you know? exactly. And then, it was a Jeopardy question.
2: <laughs> is yeah. that what it was? Okay. Yeah,
0: th- no, also, as well. Oh, I didn't in realize addition, that. I didn't yeah. realize that.
2: Yeah.
1: Have you, has science now detected an apartment in New York with a walking
0: closet? <laughs> I haven't
2: been looking lately, but I don't live here.
0: If anyone can find it, Ray can. <laughs> so, Ray, do you want to tell us what gravitational waves are? Because this is very hard for people to understand. They can yeah. say the words, but they really don't get what it's all about. And they certainly don't get why you played it to them as a sound.
2: Well, uh, th- th- let's start with what they might be. I mean, mm. uh, what they are. They're a result of uh Einstein's first thinking about how you measure things in space and time. In other words, he realized back in 1905 that the Newtonian theory we had, the theory that was the theory that was oh, we all learned in high school, was inadequate. Mm-hmm. That you couldn't have things travel so fast that everybody knew about it instantaneously. There had to be some delay because the fastest that things can move, even information, thought, <laughs> is uh, the velocity of light.
0: Right, so if the sun disappeared tomorrow it should take us eight minutes Well, that's right if the sun
2: disappears well, yeah it'll take about eight, nine minutes before Mm -hmm. we really know about it Mm -hmm. It's
1: great if you're like a magician or something
0: (laughs) Do you need the extra time? Well, yeah because like David made the
1: Statue of Liberty disappear but he had like (laughs) seconds really to do that in
0: Yeah, if you had eight minutes to play (laughs) with You could do anything Anything You
1: could be an amateur magician still kind of like you'd have time to get some helpers to actually shove it out of place (laughs) What'd you do with the sun, Matt? (laughs) Yeah, but those those
2: eight minutes are damned important (laughs) uh, Right <laughs> because they, they tell you that there has to be some mechanism for information to travel not infinitely quickly. Right. So in and Newton's theory, it would have been That's the first order way of talking about gravitational waves. Mm-hmm. And specifically, what are they? Einstein had a different way of looking at gravity than Newton did. And uh, he taught us all that space and time get distorted by gravity. You get curvatures, you get Mm -hmm. distortions of space and time. And what a gravitational wave is, is a traveling distortion of space Mm -hmm. and time, but we measure it as a distortion in space. And the very special thing, so you don't have, you can imagine what it is, it's not very hard to imagine, is that it's a stretching of space and a compression of space. And here's, just bear with me, here's what it is where the wave travels, let's say, toward you, Mm -hmm. and it does its dirty work perpendicular to the direction in which it's moving. So something's doing this. Mm-hmm. And while it's doing this in okay, one Ray dimension. Is oscillating his hands in and out. <laughs> oh yeah, I gotta tell you, that's right. It's like Waving a, my hands it's like back. Almost like a slinky spring. <laughs> that's, like. Well, a slinky, let's say a slinky in the x direction, but a slinky inverted in the y direction. It's doing the opposite. I hope right. you all use right-handed in, coordinate in systems. in one dimension in the direction it's moving, perpendicular direction it's moving, it's, it's stretching in one dimension, it's compressing in the other. And that con- continual compression, expansion, can, travels at the velocity of light toward you. And that's the way to imagine a gravitational
0: now, wave. Now, when you first started thinking about this, Yeah, You were a young professor at MIT, and you had this whole gravity research program, and I know you confessed to me (laughs) that they asked you to teach a class in general
2: relativity. Well, I'll confess again. (laughs) uh, What Jana's referring to is a very big embarrassment. See, I come to MIT having been to Princeton, the hotbed of general relativity and gravity, and I come and I start a group, uh, very expendable. I'm an experimenter. I'm not a theorist like Jana. Jana's a true theorist. But and I'm paper, an experimenter. I deal with things with my hands. And, and uh, what, what happened?
1: already, like, before the show even started. He was using his hands well
2: yeah, Before the show started, <laughs> you were kind of
1: looking at the microphone well, and, like, course. taking it apart. Like, you can't help yourself. <laughs> no, you can't. Switch
2: <laughs> yeah, you got to do that. You got to find out what you're what's, what you're surrounded by. Come on. Yeah.
0: That's part right. of the world. Yeah. Palpate. Palpate yeah, the world. So, you
2: know, it's tactile and it's all sort of seeing things. But anyway, so as Jana says, that what happened is that I'm running this group that is supposedly about very c- complicated topics like cosmology which is the history of the universe, and also gravitation. Okay, those were the two things I started. And then the department head comes to me and says, you know, we would like you to teach a course in general relativity, which is a course of the new kind of gravity. And I couldn't tell him I didn't know a damn thing about it. I mean, I really didn't know much about it. I didn't know the mathematics. I mean, the students, when I finally started teaching, were... Probably barely, uh, I was barely half a day ahead of the students, if at all, <laughs> right. okay? So here I go, and I, they asked me a very hard question as we go along. The course has its ups and downs, as you can well imagine. And they asked me a hard question. They said, look, what is a gravitational wave? And I try to answer it. But what was going on at that time was that Joe Weber, who was a physicist at the University of Maryland, had begun to talk about that he might have discovered gravitational waves
0: Mm-hmm. Okay. And this would have, his campaign started,
2: started in the 50s to No, this would start in the 60s.
0: sixty to late 60s. Uh, well, he, he started
2: really quite early, in 62, mm-hmm. and he made the announcement that he had discovered gravitational waves in 1969. Mm-hmm. That caused a tremendous furor. He's incredibly good. famous. And, well, yeah. And he was lying? He was just... No, fooling. no, no. no. Don't, don't say lying. That's not the right word. <laughs> We're
0: because all very of, defensive about
1: Joe now. Cause cause I, <laughs> I don't want to brag, but I also did discover <laughs> gravitational waves like about a month before you guys. That's so, good. I'm glad of
2: that. Oh, yeah. Why did Yours look like.
1: Oh, it was just like it was like I just put a cup on a like, kind of wobbled about. And the oh, water
0: yeah. wobbled, yeah. and he knew that they were gravitational waves.
2: Right. It's like <laughs> those <laughs> Jurassic Park. Yeah. like yeah. those two birds in the New Yorker cartoon. <laughs> yeah. probably saw that cartoon. I didn't see it. Two, two birds sitting. This is right after the discovery again. Mm-hmm. Two birds sitting on a branch. It was right on the twelfth of February. We announced on the eleventh of February. So, mm-hmm. so somebody had prior information. Right. But these two birds, two birds are looking at one. And I'm looking at the other, and the for one says, "Hey." Did I hear you, or was that a gravitational wave change? <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> I mean, actually, it's already, that's the kind of thing. But anyway, so let me get back to the mm-hmm. story. The, uh, the thing was that um, they asked me about this, and I, frankly, be honest with you, th- I, despite having trouble with the mathematics, I also had trouble with understanding Weber's experiment. Mm-hmm. It's not that he was lying or anything like that. It's just was t- a way uh, too complicated for me to understand exactly what he was doing. So I spent a lot of time one night thinking about how could I explain Uh, what a gravitational wave does, and how would you detect it in the most pristine, simple-minded way possible? And that's where this haiku, as you call it, (laughs) came about, which is the, uh, the, I thought, well, no, one way to do it is send some masses out there, put them out in outer space, put clocks on them, two clocks, one on one, clock on the other, and have a light beam go from one to the other Mm -hmm. and measure the time. That's all. Yeah, very straightforward measurement. And they'd
0: have to be sort of floating, so that they're floating they're, out there. I mean, they're like they're bobbing on the wave of the of, of the ocean.
2: If something they're, well, they're actually the just moving along without mm-hmm. any forces on them. Huh. And then all of a sudden, a gravitational wave comes along, and it changes the time that light takes that goes between them. That's it. Mm-hmm. it makes it shorter for a while and longer. It yeah. Does exactly what the gravity. But no, you started to build one. Well, yeah, 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 but that's the basic idea. And by the way, that idea Mm -hmm. is the one that propagated into the later on LIGO and everything else. Is this what you wrote about in your book? Is this what?
0: Yeah, yeah. So um, I was fascinated with, you mentioned Ray looking at the microphones and all this stuff. I was fascinated that Ray said that he started life with one ambition, which was to make music easier to hear. That's right. And then you dreamt up, which is basically a cosmic recording device, (laughs) a sort of
2: insane, gigantic cosmic recording device to record sounds from space. He was the only one. In my whole life, whoever made that analogy, and she was right. You know, I mean, she, I told yes. her the story. Awesome. You, you, because I think you have a musical background, or around you is music, and yeah. I understood this right away. Yeah, but it's absolutely true. It was.
0: It yeah. So, what's the book called? Black Hole Blues and Other Songs from Outer Space, (laughs) which, if I was Neil deGrasse Tyson, I would say in an awesome, deep DJ voice. (laughs) (laughs) I think I do have him recorded saying it. (laughs) I should hear it. Just play that in at that point. Right, (laughs) exactly. (laughs) Just write, edit that in. But so you, this is, okay, early 70s now we're talking about. Okay, so it's 50 years ago. And you started to build the first. uh, machine, but it was really quite small. Yeah. And as I remember, you got a lot of flack for it because nobody thought you were going to succeed. They well, thought you were I was, wasting your time. It was
2: worse than that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, this is sort of an interesting epic in the whole history of the field. Yes, it, I got some money from the military, by the way, who mm-hmm. was funding my research. At the one time, military support was very, very good. You know, it was not, had, no, had no onus associated with it in mm-hmm. the society. And... Uh, what happened was that they supported this, and what happened, I got a, about $50,000 to build a small prototype. Mm-hmm. And then, all of a sudden, everybody got very disenchanted with the military when the Vietnam War happened. Mm-hmm. And the funding for this Because goes stopped. your funding. Funding stopped because the military was only supposed to support those things that were relevant to its mission. And gravitational waves weren't quite in the military's complement <laughs> of things they had to worry about. Right. So, so, and, uh, how that,
1: can we use gravitational waves to kill our enemy? Like, how can we. Well, I'll t- if it gets to,
2: I'll <laughs> tell you later. Wonder we'll in segment to, three. We'll if, do if you care to do it. it. All right. If you want to pursue this, I'll tell you later. It's you know,
1: just w- to, like, upset someone. Like, how can I use it to upset a neighbor? Like, my neighbor's playing music too loud. Right. So
0: I'm we... going to send gravitational waves <laughs> towards them full blast. <laughs> well, <laughs> we're now the master of gravity,
1: right? That's what we're dealing with here.
0: Well, we're going to come back. We're going to come back to this discussion. Yeah. and But before then, I think it's time for us to take some cosmic queries. So if you are out there in the ether, all send right. us your messages it's too late now of course
1: it is too late well is it
0: <laughs> i don't know it depends if we can time, time travel work? can gravitational waves help us time travel
1: well, you know what might as well ask this question then this is perfect unintentional timing here but jake the guy on instagram uh is asking uh, does any of this mean i can travel in time <laughs>
0: Wow. Ray, do in gravitational time. waves help us travel in time?
2: I don't know how they would, but maybe you have an idea. You're a theorist. Though.
0: I don't think so. I don't think so. I can't think of a way in which they would help us travel in time. But you know, you can always travel to the future. I mean, always. If you That's set a things out, up, though. you like can We're doing it right the, now. I can travel towards your future, though. That's pretty weird. I could travel to a time when you are 15 years older, and I'm only like a couple months older.
1: Okay, by going off to space and coming back. Yeah,
0: I can, you know, send you far from the earth, or I can go to a black hole or something like that. So I can always travel to somebody else's future. But traveling to the past is the hard
2: part. That's pretty tricky. Um, All right. Taylor from Eugene, Oregon. We, we did a fairly lousy job of answering him. You know, it, did, it was a good nut Yeah. <laughs> yeah I think, enough I'm pretty, or, pretty think sure like, yeah, Ray
0: just, just said I gave a lousy answer. <laughs> no, you
2: didn't give a lousy <laughs> And there's answer.
0: only one person in the world I would take that from. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Probably want something very deep. <laughs> <laughs> it,
0: was, it was It was deep. deep. You just <laughs> weren't it paying deep enough deep attention.
1: Enough. Yeah, I, I, <laughs> okay. So, Taylor from Eugene, Oregon is, uh, asks, uh, do gravitational waves have any direct effect on the physical environment? For example, if an event causing gravitational waves occurred close enough to Earth, would it have any discernible effect on humans or the planet?
2: Well, that's a question I can even answer. Uh, and in fact, if we, we, we measured this event from two black holes, and I have to start that way, which was, fortunately for us, 1.2 billion light years away. But... Had we been, let's say, within a few tens of years of that, Uh we would have measured something. And you would have measured exactly what we measure in our detectors. You would have stretched in one dimension Mm -hmm. and then compressed in the other dimension. You would have felt that.
0: Now, we resist... Uh, stretching and compression but our you know auditory mechanism is designed to resonate in response do you think that we could technically hear a gravitational wave even in the no, absence
2: of I air I don't think that's, that's not because I've been sp-
0: saying this for months well I don't think it's true <laughs> yeah, I think,
2: uh, well I think let me, let's get to that yeah. privacy issue right away because we have we not you mm-hmm. we have generated some confusion mm-hmm. by saying this listening to the universe <laughs> which is what a lot of people have said about this yeah. and it's true but it's, nothing, it's not necessarily a sound wave that's exciting us, you see? And what, what is happening is that we are seeing these stretchings and compressions, and that's certainly going on in your ear, too. Mm-hmm. The compression and extension, even for that one mile, one one year away, light year away, mm-hmm. is still too small for your right. ear. So
1: how I close think. do you think? Oh, yeah, I would now, agree you, with if that. If you got
2: close enough, you would but if you, got close inside, enough. you would feel it over your whole body, mm-hmm. and you might hear something. But mm-hmm. that's not what we're doing. What we're so doing-
1: like a sound wave is like the compression and expansion of the air around you. That's and right. this is... The actual space itself is doing that. Yeah, but
2: but be careful. What it is is space. You're right. Space is doing expansion and the compression. On the other hand, our instruments. This is where it gets converted into sound. That's why I looked at your microphone. Mm -hmm. Uh, Is uh, what we do is we have a device that measures these very tiny displacements with using light and the timing of light. But then we convert that into a sound by amplifying it, and then that gets put into a loudspeaker. Yes, and then it makes a sound. Look, the important. It's a lot like an electric guitar exactly but exactly like an electric car. Yeah. you've got you a very I'm good sorry. analogy yeah. <laughs> very good analogy and and the other thing is that it's an the other the other piece of it is that this phenomena these phenomena we're seeing phenomena we're seeing are things that have the frequency of our audio, of our auditory system that's the nature is making things with frequencies that run from the bottom of the piano to the top of the piano.
1: I and mean, that's just by chance. That just well, that's because the things
2: that. we're looking at, well, it's a little more than that. What it is is our instrument's only sensitive in that band, okay? Okay. And on top of that, nature is kind enough to give us something that does its wiggling and expanding and contracting <laughs> and accelerating in that frequency band.
0: A couple of black holes collide. They That's happen right. to ring space time in the human auditory frequency. Okay, exactly.
2: So, so let's uh, 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 Yeah. Okay, so it's not sound waves traveling through, no. through space. I just don't want to have that. It's like
0: an electric guitar string. It's exactly. not a sound That's wave a traveling a wonderful through analogy space. For people but you had time. to build LIGO to build the body of the guitar, That's the guitar. to record the shape Absolutely. of the, of the wave. You. That's <laughs> a beautiful analogy. Excellent. And then we're going to all break out into <laughs> air style guitar.
1: <laughs> Give us another cosmic theory. From Florida, uh, Sarah Gavijan is asking uh, when gravitational waves are recorded is there a way to know which black holes collided to make them and is there any other event out there that could cause gravitational waves if so
2: how would they differ boy that's just a profound question and this has a lot of different pieces to it, that question uh, let's first, uh, first of all say how do we know that we are even seeing black holes is that I think that's one way in our experiment that we were seeing black holes you have to do an analysis to find that out it could be other systems that you so, no, neutron stars, there are many, many things that oscillate and wiggle that can make gravitational waves. But it happens to be, and this is the important thing, the specific wiggles we saw, when you solve them as trying to figure out what the motions are that made those wiggles, you wind up with masses that are, in our case, the first one was too big. The masses are 30, each one of the masses was about 30 solar masses. And we don't know of things, we, don't have, we, we know of ordinary stars that do that, but they're too big. Because what happens if you take an ordinary star? That it was might surprising be so how much. big they, they were. They, they, they what? It was surprising how big they were. Yeah, but it was monstrous. Exciting, yeah, yeah, monstrous. I mean, all the black holes people had seen or not, nobody's seen a black hole, but had evidence for was around ten solar and smaller around there. No, the important thing is that once you make the calculation that you know it's about thirty solar masses that are jiggling around, you then say, my God, look how close they are! But from the equations, you can say they're much closer than any star. They they would be inside of each other. Yeah, they're a couple hundred kilometers That's across. Right. These things are no bigger than just the size. Of Connecticut, maybe. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or, you know, and or even smaller, maybe. So the only things
1: that big that can also be that close are black holes.
2: Well, that's that's the argument. That's fundamentally that's the, the argument. That's best we can do. Exactly the argument.
0: So maybe there's something else that we, when we got close, we would realize didn't have an event horizon, yeah. wasn't a complete shadow, wasn't really empty space time. That, you know, it could be different than what we think of a black hole as, but it's got to be heavy and small. Yeah. Um, so I think that's an interesting place to end. And I'm really sorry we have to wrap this up, but I'm glad we're going to come back in a minute. <laughs> we're going to take a short break, stick around for more discussion and more of your cosmic queries after this. We're back on Star Talk All Stars. I'm your host Jan Levin. I am an astrophysicist and author here in New York City at Barnard College of Columbia University. Here with me is my incredibly talented co-host Matt Kirshen. Yay, hey. <laughs> Matt, comedian and host of Probably Science podcast. Which is very funny. Thank you. It is a long, rambling, they have no rules, and that's what we love about them. (laughs) You
1: started off saying funny, and then you went long and rambling. They were like, Your next, oh, it's dreary, it's a dirt, they uh, have no point. They're going to cut that part out,
0: Matt. (laughs) Our special science guest today is uh, Ray Weiss, professor emeritus from MIT and one of the founders of LIGO, architect of the original instrument that recently detected gravitational waves. I remember when uh, you we were talking about in the last segment, um, running out of funding, because the military funding was cut, and um, you told me the next big event is I Met Kip. Well, I loved that line. I' like, tell
2: you what the next event was. <laughs> okay. The next event was really trying to get money. That was the next event. (laughs) to try to finish it. And that's what happened. KIP comes soon. Mm -hmm. But the next event was really trying to get some money. And that's where I ran into the trouble. Mm -hmm. said there were trouble getting that money, getting that. People were skeptical. And And your
0: instrument was a meter and a half.
2: Yeah, the the initial prototype. It was a meter and a half. If we wanted to just demonstrate, it was never intended to make a detection. Mm -hmm. In fact, nothing until LIGO was even ever able to contemplate making a detection. Didn't
0: somebody tell you I could do better by looking out the window? If the sun blew up you couldn't
2: detect it? Yeah. Well one of my graduate students, the first time I ever put a graduate student on the project, had a terrible time with his with with my colleagues because they had no measurement of a real scientific result. They had a beautiful piece of technology. But that's not what you get a PhD for in physics necessarily. Uh, But let's get away from that because Mm -hmm. you asked the question. So what happened is they, the, um, I tried to get money and I didn't. And they, the, what happened is the, is the National Science Foundation, which is what they do always, sends proposals to everybody mm-hmm. who knows something about this. And what they did is they sent it to Europe. Mm-hmm. And the Europeans don't have quite the same mores mm-hmm. about an American proposal. And I had a very interesting conversation with a guy from the Max Planck Institute. Now, this is
0: after your grant was declined.
2: Yes. Well, yeah, de- that's right. <laughs> yeah, 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 it was declined. So here you
0: are with no money.
2: Yeah, yeah. Here we <laughs> are In 1975 or so, yeah. we had started building the thing in 72. Yeah. And uh, I was trying to finish it. And uh, so we got this wonderful call from a guy at the Max Planck. And he says, you know, we've been working on Weber bars. We didn't see anything. We, and by the way, they had done a beautiful job of not mm-hmm. seeing anything. Right. Sometimes not seeing something is better than seeing something, especially if the it's case. not there. In that case,
1: in that case, yeah. <laughs> you know? like are talking about my dancing. <laughs> 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 and, it's better to not see. It's so to not see. <laughs> every scientist will tell you that. Yeah.
2: So, because you make confusion if you see something that's there that's right. not supposed to be there, and so uh, there are
1: a lot of things there that are not supposed to be there. <laughs> yeah. yeah.
2: So what happened is <laughs> very good. So what they they did is they asked me if they if they would mind if they would work on this. They thought it was a good idea. I said, how can you mind? Mm-hmm. And they asked me if I had a graduate student I could send them or somebody mm-hmm. that had been right. working on this thing.
0: Here they are. They're, they're kind of pulling ahead on oh, your they idea. Got, they
2: pulled way ahead.
0: They pulled ahead on your idea. They had funding. They, they had funding, had the
2: and curiosity. they were very good. Besides, yeah. give them credit. Yeah. They were superb. Right. And, as, and, and that a also job. started a, my colleague... Uh, the Ron Drever in, in 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 Scotland, who also was doing Weber bars of a different kind, and then he got interested in this. Mm-hmm. And both of those groups, I just have to say it and make sure people hear it. Mm-hmm. They both. Yeah. Did a spectacular job of making the thing better, the idea better, and getting Mm -hmm. the thing working.
0: Now, eventually... So,
2: that's after that is when I met Kip.
0: Right. So, eventually, it becomes you, Kip, and this is now fast-forwarding 10 years. You, Kip, and Ron Drever become the the three, the Troika, that initiate the development of LIGO. It even gets a name. It finally gets a name in, like, 1985. It didn't have the name before. Laser Interferometer Gravitational Wave Observatory. So,
2: LIGO started 30 years ago. It started, well, LIGO started... It really now, it's a little mm-hmm. earlier than that in '83, right. because what happened is we did a study. This is that Kip getting to Kip mm-hmm. has a little pre- prelude to it yet. Mm-hmm. If we, I couldn't get the money for the prototype. Eventually, I got some money, but I decided by looking at the wonderful work that had been done in Europe that I was not going to be in such a hurry to finish the prototype, but rather I would rather do a study to find out what it really would take to build a LIGO.
0: Right. So here you had a 1.5 meter machine, and how big did you decide it had to be?
2: It had to be well. We started studying, and I did a whole study of it. It looked like it had to be over a kilometer, right? And I, I want to do ten a thousand-fold qu- Yeah, well, I want to <laughs> do you ten had, like something that was about like yay, <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's right. That's
0: right. <laughs> yeah, arm span to it doesn't fit on the MIT campus or even in Cambridge, Massachusetts right, anymore.
1: Right. <laughs> most of my experiments, like the size of a matchbox,
2: right? They well, involve they, like, nowadays. They matchbox. even get smaller. You know these nanotechnology things, but you can't do gravitational waves for that way. Why? You can't do it because the amount of motion is bigger, the amount of motion the gravitational wave induces, is proportional to the size of the system. See, what's constant in a gravitational wave is the strain. That's getting a little technical. Mm -hmm. That's the ratio of the added displacement, the compression or expansion of the gravity wave, divided by the distance that the objects are already apart. And that number, that ratio is a constant. Yeah, it's very small. So
0: LIGO now is has these mirrors suspended at the corners of this L-shaped, four kilometer long, two right. instruments on two different coasts, one in Louisiana, and one in Hanford. By how much are the mirrors displaced? Well, You're describing that that's I, the same do you mind so for if I four use, uh, exponential
2: notation I have to. I, I can translate. You can translate. Well, it's ten to the minus eighteen meters. So it's uh, which about which is one th- a
0: million trillion.
2: <laughs> okay, you like that. Fine.
0: <laughs> a millionth. Of a trillionth yeah. of the size of the arm, of the so arms. over four kilometers, yeah. it's very small. Yeah. Which is how it—it's it, like well, no, no, it's
2: ten to the minus twenty-one is the strain, mm-hmm. and it's ten to the minus eighteen is the amount of motion in a four-kilometer arm. Uh,
0: right, so that comes to about yeah. a ten-thousandth of the width of a proton.
2: Exactly. Yeah, that's and exactly. You right. had to convince who to let you build this. Well, a lot of people, and that <laughs> was the thing. You see, when you tell you tell somebody you're going to measure, tell an engineer. I mean, a solid, well-rounded engineer that you're going to measure something at 10 to the minus 21, which is really the right number to use, because that's what the gravitational field strength is. They look at you like you were sort of a madman. And, uh, you know, I mean, ten, nothing gets measured at that 10 to the minus 21. So that's the first problem you have. The second problem you have is you got a nut like me trying to convince some heavy that, you know, you can do this. Right. Now, why should they trust me? You no, know, that's the other problem. I have no reputation. for well, that. Well plus people and, weren't even sure there were black holes out uh, there for a large part of your initiative. And you and what Jana just hit is the fundamental problem, That really the fundamental problem that we had, which was nobody could tell us how much how what were the sources. So now we have three, a triple go, that's really bad. A triple no, let's mm-hmm. put it that way. An insanely small number, mm-hmm. a guy who's a little bit of a flake, okay, mm-hmm. to driving it. And, uh,
0: <laughs> that would be you. <laughs> yes, I'm afraid so.
2: <laughs> and, and then nobody can attest that there's real sources so and people at MIT where I was a where, where I was a faculty saying black holes didn't exist. Mm-hmm. See, that was a whole backdrop of this as so well. So what possessed so you, to you to keep them going? To
1: spend money to detect the effects of something that they don't think exists.
2: That's right, and it's a lot of money—a million bucks. About
0: well, Ray, you didn't know that they existed either. I of mean, you didn't not. know. So what possessed you to keep going? I mean, it is insane.
2: <laughs> well, I'm going to give insane. you a very Good silly, <laughs> silly answer, which is the truth. Okay. Uh, A really silly answer. Mm -hmm. You think I'm a really Mm -hmm. profound scientist. That's baloney. (laughs) But I enjoyed the work. Mm -hmm. And I enjoyed the people. Mm -hmm. And that was what drove it. Mm-hmm. I hate to tell you that. Mm-hmm. It was interesting work to do. I think that's
0: a great thing for people to understand. Yeah, yeah. Scientists do what they do because they love it, not necessarily out of ego right. satisfaction. No, the so, end result
2: I, was was it was an interesting result. Could we get such a result? It was a good gamble to take. Yeah. But that wasn't the thing that drove me. I have to tell you that. Yeah. It is something that
1: I get, because like when I'm doing my experiments on the effects of paint, drinking on blindness uh, like it's not it's not the glory I'm not going for the glory it's actually it's just about the work and it's fun I enjoy it and you
0: fully expect though that there will be glory at the end of yeah, the day yeah I expect that
1: there might, there's a bit of me in the back of the mind that's like yeah it is going to cause blindness gonna, and have you're going to be
0: the name of a paint
2: color I will be able to write it up
1: but at the time you just do it you just drink that paint and you write down your results as best <laughs> you're able to write
2: it. yeah so now well. we get to Kip because see Kip was a different kind of person Kip was a theorist, okay? And he had spent a lot of his life thinking about what might be the sources of gravitational waves. And in fact, he started writing some very elegant stuff already in the 70s, early 70s about if there were a way to measure gravitational waves what would be interesting to detect. Mm -hmm. And he started inventing a lot of very interesting things. So Kip
0: really pushed the science case. And, you know, he was so cool-headed. He was just totally unflappable in the sense that even when other people were saying, we won't detect black holes, we won't detect black holes until 2020, some people told me, as recently as August, right? And Kip was like, nope, black holes first. Black holes are going to be first. So he he really pushed that scientific
2: case. Well, and and he had good reason because, you see, he had developed a very, probably one of the most prestigious groups in the country for the theoretical parts of gravitation. He had, uh, he, it's interesting, Chip and I, we didn't know it. Well, Chip tells me he thinks he remembers, but I don't. We were both at Princeton together at the same time. I was a postdoc. He was a grad student. And by the way, Joe Weber was there also exactly uh-huh. the same With time. John With John Wheeler. John Wheeler, exactly.
0: Gr- the American uh, granddaddy of yep, uh, American right. relativists. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah.
2: So Kip was the reason I think that what's so important for Kip to be part of it is he gave it a, a certain cachet. I mean, that the fact is he showed people that it was possible mm-hmm. that you could have sources besides the one that anybody, all, everybody knew about. Supernova. Which was supernova, yeah. mm-hmm. So when a star explodes, yeah. it can wobble space time,
0: which we now think is probably the hardest thing it's a to go it's a for. Tiny, yeah. yeah. It's a very hard question. So, to do. so uh, let's, uh, before we get to the discussion of the actual discovery, let's take some cosmic
1: queries. All right. So G- Gabriel Thielen, on, uh, who's a Patreon patron, says What kind of patron? Patreon. It's a website that lets people give. They're money. supporters they're like of the fabulous
0: show. Financial supporter
1: <laughs> of the show, uh, and Gabriel asks: Theoretically, is there anything stopping gravitational waves from traveling faster than the speed of light? Is uh, uh, it is the same phenomenon? Is it not as a theoretically or theoretical localized artificial space-time distortion or warp? Thank you very much. <laughs>
0: um, can I try this one, and then oh, yeah, Ray, you I'd jump be. in? So, just like there are light waves electromagnetic waves, which is radiation, there is a particle complement to that, and that is a massless particle, and it travels at the speed of light. We think that that's exactly analogous to what's happening with gravitational waves, that there's a wave in the uh, gravitational um, field, and that there is a particle called the graviton, which is massless in Einstein's theory. That might be wrong, but in Einstein's theory, it's massless. and In that case, like all massless things, it travels at the speed of light. Um, no faster, no slower, but that could be wrong. It's very hard to test the speed of light um, by looking at gravitational waves. I'm sorry, the speed of the gravitational waves. It's very hard to test, isn't it?
2: Well, we try to make an attempt. I, mm-hmm. you, you want to hear about that? It's yeah. A very, I mean, if we ever get I mean, there's a future and there's a current. I'll give you the future because it's easier to understand. Now that we are in the business, finally, of detecting things, people will try to look for not just bursts of gravitational waves, but rather ones that are very steady radiators, like, you know, an antenna on a transmitter blowing its waves out into mm-hmm. space. Like a neutron
0: star with a bump on the it. It's new- right. like a paddle. Perfect.
2: Neutron star with a bump on it that's rotating. And so it gives a nice continuous wave.
0: Like a monotone.
2: Yeah, exactly. Well, it's slowly decaying, but that's, it's a monotone. You're absolutely
0: right. <laughs> Over our time scale. <laughs> and,
2: and then what happens is a very interesting thing. You can do a very simple thing that you, even I can imagine. Mm-hmm. You can look at that source as we move around in the, in our orbit in the solar system, and you will get added time each time. They, you know the source will be someplace in the orbit outside of our orbit, mm-hmm. and we go around, and it takes different lengths of time for the mm-hmm. signal to get to us. And since we know our velocity, we can get the velocity of light because we increased the distance to the to the object. Mm-hmm. We know how much we increased it by, so it's a very straightforward kinematic measurement. On the other hand, the, uh, we already have sort of a Quasi-measurement the of the velocity of the gravitational waves from a simple thing. We saw, I have to explain, as, as mm-hmm. Jenna said, we have two of these detectors. Mm-hmm. One in Louisiana, mm-hmm. another one in Washington State. And we saw the signal first in mm-hmm. Louisiana. And seven milliseconds later, we saw it in... In in Hanford, Washington. Mm-hmm. Well, that already tells you it's moving pretty damn close to the velocity of light. Yeah,
0: as it crosses the continent. As it crosses the continent. I, that's a pretty good wave. It, it's pretty uh, great. Yeah. It, it, it's a, I love that they're, the seven milliseconds are just clocked. Okay. It's, it's yep. fantastic.
1: So Nathan Kruger on Facebook says, are there currently any plans to conduct the double slit experiment using gravity waves? <laughs> oh, that's an interesting
0: question. <laughs> it's so, gravity is so weak, it's so hard to manipulate. Um, Ray, what do you think?
2: You're I'll the, tell you what the real problem is. Uh, there are two problems. Mm-hmm. One of them is you can't make us, we, you would have to make an artificial source to do that. Mm-hmm. And when you start doing that, you'll find out that you just don't have the power. You, don't, can, you can't accelerate enough mass and move it fast enough so that you can even detect the waves. Yeah. And Einstein said this in his very first paper on gravitational waves in 1916. He writes a lovely sentence at the end of the paper, saying, look, he points, points to all the calculations, he says, no, there's very unlikely. In fact, he doesn't even say unlikely, it's impossible that these waves will have any physical consequence that we can measure because of that, that he tried to look at things like st- stars that what he knew about or locomotives smashing into each other. Ma- I'm making that up because I don't know what he really thought about. It. I mean, that piece of paper that says that's where he did his calculation. Yeah, he, he didn't believe this.
0: black holes were real. So. Yeah, well, the
2: other thing is black holes are not even yeah. going to be considered at that moment. Yeah. But just the calculation where he came so pessimistic about this, that I'd, I'd like to have to see a piece of paper that has that. Mm-hmm. He must have done it.
1: So the so fact so, that I mean, Einstein didn't so think black holes are real and I do makes <laughs> me smarter than Einstein? Like, what are we <laughs> you know, talking later that's all
0: <laughs> if you time traveled to before einstein and believed in black holes that would make you pretty oh boy, smart <laughs> <in that point. laughs> do we have one last we've got a minute for our last well, cosmic we'll theory, quick, really quick. i didn't uh,
2: answer the question but never oh, mind sorry, i know i don't know you need to make an artificial source to make an interference pattern and right that's why I, I was i just don't think we can do it unless yeah. so mary
1: uh not gonna tell ya. I don't think that's her real name. I'm almost guaranteeing that it's not. Uh, Says I asked this before as a silly question, but I've been thinking about it. Maybe it's not so silly. If gravitational waves were represented by colors, what would they be, and why or how?
0: Hmm. That's pretty. Well, yeah. I mean, the frequency of the sound can be translated directly to the frequency of light, which is a specific
2: color. That's right. So, what
0: colors would they be? They'd be. They'd be. uh,
2: Well, these would be all outside of the the eye. eye. Your eye
0: would have to be like the size of uh, a huge radio. I don't know, a very big thing. Um, Oh, I'm sorry to shorten that question, but we have to wrap this part up, this segment. Uh, Stick around for more discussion, and we're going to discuss the actual discovery of the first black hole collisions and also the lightning round of your cosmic queries. (laughs) Stay tuned. We are back on Star Talk All-Stars. I'm your all-star host today, Jana Levin. In the studio with me, we have my comedic co-host, Matt Kirschen. Hey, Jana. And our science guest, Ray Weiss, right. to talk right. more about the LIGO discovery. Good to see you again 10 seconds later. <laughs> <laughs> now, a lot of people are talking about the discovery, so let's give people a sense of what actually happened. It was about, what, 1.3 billion years ago? Uh, Two black holes collided. Now, those black holes might have lived together a long time. What about the gravitational waves when they were far apart, when they first formed black holes, when the stars died? What about those gravitational waves? You had an instrument up in 2000.
2: Yeah. Well, let's, let's be honest about why we didn't see it in the year mm-hmm. 2000. That's what you're complaining about,
0: right? <laughs> well, that's <wasn't> really <laughs> I a think complaint. You are. Uh, we but didn't have any— gravitational waves have been coming across us since multi yeah. organisms were fossilizing it, on the it, Earth. Let's,
2: let's start with what must, must have been the case with mm-hmm. these. Is And I think this is probably going to hold, even though there are other ideas now mm-hmm. about this. But uh, we, as you say, we saw the thing that happened about 1.2, 1.3 billion years ago. Mm-hmm. And we saw it at this end point, at the very end, when the t- two black holes were getting closer and closer. They go orbiting around each other, mm-hmm. and then all of a sudden they hit each other, and they make a new black hole. That's yeah. what they do. This when you do, they swallow each other. As their event horizons come, come come together, and you wound up with, let's say, there were two thirty solar mass stars to begin with, and you wind up with a fifty seven solar mass black hole mm-hmm. when they make a new one. Mm-hmm. So the first thing you have to explain is where did that three solar mass? They lost are. some mass. Well, yeah. they went someplace. Well, right. so they went into gravitational waves. Mm-hmm. And well, that's unbelievable when you think about it.
0: Right. So it's completely dark. None of it comes out as nothing light. Nothing comes out so if I in pointed light. Pointed a telescope leave. at these two black holes colliding, I would see nothing.
2: See nothing, and that's one of the tragedies because you'd love to be able to see something Mm. so you could identify where it is. We don't have the faintest idea where it is in the sky except for the fact that it hit... Louisiana first. Mm -hmm. From the southern sky. From the southern sky and went up. So we have sort of a banana in the sky where we think this thing comes from. Mm -hmm. But we have sort of a thousand square degrees of ignorance is what we have. So
0: now there's a black hole out there and it's gone quiet and we can't look at it either.
2: Nope, it's gone. and You don't know where to to tell people to go look for it. So that's sort of something we want to fix. Mm -hmm. But we'll get to how we fix that in a minute. Mm -hmm. Let's get back to what happened before we saw them, okay? And there is a tricky one. It depends how they got made. Mm-hmm. Yeah, how did those see, black holes and that's, form? Uh, and if franchise. they got, and we don't know how it got made, and that's going to be one of the more interesting scientific questions as we, when we go back on the air and begin to see a lot of these things, we can begin to contemplate. But there are two ideas that people had right away. One thing is a star collapses; that's called common envelope, and they come mm-hmm. together and they to, make two black holes. Mm-hmm. By the way, Hans Bethe explained to me many years ago, just like mm-hmm. Kip, that mm-hmm. that's the first thing we would see. Oh, okay, uh-huh. that was back in the nineteen ninety. If I were still alive. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's one thing. That's one method that could be. Mm-hmm. It requires a star that's pretty heavy, 60 solar, 70, 80 that's solar mass. star. Yeah, big star. Yeah. Big mammoth star. <laughs> yeah. So, where did that come from? Okay, that's a question. But then the other possibility, which is not quite as dramatic, is that we have things which are called globular clusters. What are those? Those are regions in our galaxy, and every galaxy has places where a lot of star formation forms simultaneously. Mm-hmm. And so here are a bunch of stars all zipping around, and there's a lot of probability that maybe three of them will get together, bang into each other, and I thought it has to be orchestrated properly, okay? Mm -hmm. And so they make a thing that's a black hole or maybe they have to make two black holes mm-hmm. no,
0: why can't it just be a big star that died and made a black hole Well, it's, it's too heavy
2: it's well it's uh, yeah. be careful Jenna it could be that and people are thinking that and some people even let me now go on these it's are decay the... into a very technical conversation <laughs> yes, this gets into something really quite tricky but let me say that's what about what... the metallicity of this ah, no, no, no,
1: no, 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 come on let's get away from that
2: but the, uh, the that um... was about to be my question <laughs> I mean, your question you were going to ask that right yeah, I, I was going to ask yeah, that well, yeah, yeah. okay well the hell with the metallicity yeah. For a moment. So,
0: so we only see the final fraction of a second how much of that collision Do you actually detect?
2: uh, Did LIGO detect? LIGO detected only about 0.2, let's say a quarter of a second of this. A
0: quarter of a second. So it was emitting the gravitational waves, it just didn't get loud enough until that
2: final. Well, be careful. It's two reasons. Yes, Mm -hmm. you're right. But the real reason we didn't catch it is because our detector can't detect anything with very low frequencies. As I told you, Mm -hmm. it goes from the bottom of the piano to the top Mm -hmm. of the piano. So this is a rumble. Once they're very far apart, Those stars, if they have been stars, if they started far apart, Mm -hmm. they might not have. Mm -hmm. You don't know that. Mm -hmm. Suppose... Like every other thing, they started far apart. Then they would be going very slowly around each other. Mm-hmm. You know, hours, periods of right. hours. And that would
0: be low frequencies. That'd be very, well we don't
2: have any protection. sensitivity, but something yeah. later in the, in the history of man will have that sensitivity. Mm-hmm. It's called LISA. That's the space version of LIGO. Okay? I love your optimism. Uh, well, it's going to happen. <laughs> Maybe not mine, but in your lifetime.
1: If I'm building my own LIGO at home. <laughs> like, what kind of scale should I aim for?
0: Do you know that actually happened to me? I went to the LIGO lab. I'm not actually an experimentalist in the collaboration, so I haven't signed the Memorandum of Understanding, and there are certain things I'm not allowed to know, but I was looking at the schematic of the lab, and I was like, why am I allowed to see this? And somebody said, what, are you going to go home and build one?
1: <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. You got yeah, a couple. Just you watch me. <laughs> yeah. And then everyone's going to be really embarrassed when you've done one for, like,
2: months. Well, I'll tell you, if you come up with a clever idea mm-hmm. that doesn't need something so big... And people at one time thought maybe optical fibers. I won't go into it all. Mm -hmm. None of these ideas have worked out. But people are all the time thinking about how could they make a small version of something like this. That is as sensitive. Mm -hmm. But Let me go back. So what you have is these big things that they're very – let's suppose they got started Mm -hmm. separately. And they come, they, they, they are still bound to each other and they yeah. eventually oscillate and they get closer and closer and they're losing energy to gravitational waves which we're not detecting mm-hmm. because it's outside of our band. Mm-hmm. And then we detect it just as it comes into our band. I see. So just That's as the it most likely in. explanation, but there are others right. too.
0: Right. You know? Now, um, you were really hoping for the centenary For the first detection. So here you've been building this thing for 50 years, Ray. I can't tell you how many times somebody said to me, we better go ask Ray. You know, (laughs) on site, you're doing experiments, you're, you're walking the beam tubes, and you want it to be... 2015.
2: You wanted that so badly, I know. And 15, or f- 15 was good, 16 was the latest. Okay,
0: so you were willing to take 16, and then if not that, you would find an Einstein paper that was, you know... It's a 2018 maybe, right. paper,
2: but that was it.
0: <laughs> no, a lot of people told me, 2018, don't expect a detection before 2018, yeah. but on September 14th, 2015, yep. this struck. You, it must have blown your mind. I mean what is so they, the experience of waking up that morning and checking the logs yeah, yeah. <laughs> and
1: well, I seeing? Know, I was thinking it was like it was the practice run that like that wasn't meant to be the run that detected anything, right?
2: You're absolutely on the mark. That's correct, yeah. It's even worse than that. What, what happened is we, we didn't expect this and when, as Jana points out, I happened to be on vacation. I had been at the site the days before that. And I almost screwed it up. Do <laughs> you, know, you know that story? I think. Yeah. But I do tell want to us. tell you the story yeah. because I, I was sent by, by my boss, uh, Peter Fritchell, who is the young student that I had and now is a senior member of this thing. He says, Weiss, you've got to go down there and fix the RF interference. That's a... Radio not, frequency. Radio, radio frequency interference. Yeah. And because it'll disturb the whole run. So I went down there and I saw what it was really a big mess. I mean, FCC, you know, the Federal Co- 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 Communications Commission would have sent their truck there and shut us off. <laughs> Because we put out so much RF. And then I found out the problem was, and I said to Peter, look, uh, this is going to take a week to fix up. I, I can't, I don't. Mm-hmm. And they had a big conference, and the reason why they would told me no was because they had committed themselves to making a run two days later. Mm-hmm. I was there.
1: left it like it was.
2: It was a run. And, you had to, and he said, look, we have all these people coming from all over the country, all over the world, mm-hmm. coming to the sites. We don't want to jeopardize this. And you're, the RF, if it's a problem, well, it's, it can't kill us. And I said, no, it won't kill us for an impulsive source, but if you're looking for periodic sources, it might. Mm-hmm. And so we took that gamble, and Peter said, let's come home, okay? Yeah. And uh, thank God <laughs> I 24 went 24 hours later. It it's what, about two days uh, later. It was a Thursday. The thing happened on a...
0: It, yeah, it, it was, happened on a Monday. It happened
2: on a Monday. So it was four days later, okay? So you checked... Well, and so I, you asked, what did I think? Yeah, you well, check I, the
0: log. You wake up 8 a.m. and Well, May. I'll tell you what
2: happened. That was really cute. I went to the went to log. We were on vacation. My wife mm. and son were with me and, and, her, and, and, her, his, and his, his wife. And I was looking at the log, which I do every morning, mm. and I see this thing, which was very cryptic. It says, we're canceling a fix-it day. Now, we have fix-it day every Tuesday. <laughs> you know, we have running in the middle of a run even in an engineering one we when we find all these things wrong we don't want to mess with the apparatus but we do it at a certain time so both sites are dead at the same time and they said no well, we're canceling it." so i look at the other side same damn thing but mm-hmm. canceling fix it day so i call up what's the hell what's going on and they say well and then uh, i didn't take long i began to get email mm-hmm. and then very quickly within about Half an hour after that, I saw a, an absolutely magnificent curve, mm-hmm. which was this this signal, which now is on people's dresses, it's, yeah. it's in everywhere, and it was this 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 binary black hole, thirty solar masses. Mm-hmm. And, and you, I look at, it's at it and say, "Holy mackerel! This has mm-hmm. got to be a fake."
1: Is it really mackerel that you said? Yes. <laughs> well,
2: maybe not.
0: I'm trying to be careful. <laughs> he's yeah, he's cleaning it up for air.
1: <laughs>
0: if I know you, Ray, that's Holy not what you smokes, said. Do you
1: whiz? <laughs> no, none of like those. You're a 1920s paperboy. Say, <laughs> <laughs> hey, Mister, Mister. It's a scoop.
0: <laughs> it was really something when in February, all these months later, the announcement was made and everybody just shared in this incredible excitement.
2: That was really a moment in history. And it was. Well, we did a lot of work between the time we, we found it and then yeah. because we didn't believe it. Yeah. Let's be honest. I mean, yeah. Jana, that was such a big signal. We hmm. never expected such a big
0: right. signal. Right. Amazing. Okay. Yeah. We're going to go quickly to the lightning round. Are we ready?
1: <laughs> all
2: right. Rapid fire.
0: Rapid
1: fire. Uh, Carl West on Instagram says Would it be possible For gravitational waves To alter matter As it passes through E.g. if matter Was too close to the source The gravitational waves Could have become damaged Or altered By the sheer energy Or force of the waves Propagating through The fabric of space-time
2: That's so easy To answer so fast <laughs> Gravitational waves Are the most pen- Penetrating things That are, that man has ever encountered They go through everything Nothing's going to stop them They go right through the earth yeah. Alright uh, Do gravitational waves
1: Cancel each other out Like sound waves
2: No <laughs> Beautiful. Uh, well, that's, let me be parenthetic about it. They could, but it would be taking an enormous amount of precision to do that. You could have a compression while the other one is a rare fraction. Like so, yeah, water. It's, it's, it's not impossible, but my God, in the real world, it's not going to happen. Yeah.
1: All right. Um, if two black holes collided <laughs> near us, what uh, would the gravitational waves be strong enough to disrupt our own magnetic field? What what could happen because of that clash?
2: Well, if that collision happened in our solar system, we would be we might not even be here. Uh, and, that, uh, and I'll tell you what really? happens: we would oh, in get our stretched. solar
0: system. Yeah, uh, yeah, uh,
2: we, we we would be stretched and compressed in such a way that things could easily come apart. Uh, that
1: question, by the, the way, Earth was from Mike up. Schneider's on Facebook. Okay. Um, David Norio on Facebook says, why are we referring to gravity as a force since it's the r- result of the curvature of space-time and what about the other forces? Are they also the result of something we can't see yet?
2: Well, that's an interesting question and I can't answer it because it may very well be. We don't have the, f- the final theory, but maybe you should try well, We're
0: that. loose in this language. It's true that Einstein made us realize that in some sense gravity is not a force, that we're falling freely in a curved space-time. We're not actually being touched and pulled upon. But there's another way to look at it that makes it look like a lot of the other forces. So... Electric fields permeate space and affect things. Gravitational fields permeate space and affect things. There's a way of making them sound more parallel. Yeah. And and there's always force carriers. Gravitational waves, light waves, weak force carriers. The gauge. You oh, you can, on, re- you on can and
2: recast on. gravitation as yeah. Steve Weinberg did, for exactly. example, as a field theory. If you want, you don't have to use Einstein's beautiful theory.
0: Well, what people say is, if Einstein hadn't discovered uh, curved spacetime theory, we'd be talking about it in this much more particle physicsy sort of a way.
1: All right. Uh, The Scarlet Speedster on Twitter says, uh, "How do gravitational waves affect time slash perception of time? What would need to
2: occur to have significant changes?" Well, I don't Mm. know if I can answer that. The metric that I use does not have the clocks perturbed by the gravitational waves.
0: Yeah, so it's like. what what i call left isn't what you call left it's a mixture of your left and right we tend to orient our space time so it's only the space that changes not the time but you could orient your space time differently where you would measure it being in the time direction it's not easy stuff
1: all right tony hale on facebook says do gravitational waves reflect light and if so could you dial in an image like flipping a page in a book If we can't see our galaxy in the past but the light reflected from our galaxy is traveling
2: faster than we are would that mean we could see an image bounce back at us i don't think that'll happen but let me tell you something there's a very nice way of thinking about gravitational waves affecting the propagation of light you don't have to have mirrors doing it in -hmm. other words they they interact as to make sidebands on the light that's a complicated way of saying it but you for example some of the other ways of looking at gravitational waves do not use mirrors like the pulsar timing it does not mm-hmm. use mirrors. So consequently, there's an interaction between gravitational waves and the propagation of light.
0: Yeah, that is some hard stuff. I'm not even going to try to clear it up because we're at the end of our show. Oh, thank dear. you so much for the excellent questions. It's yeah. been a great show today. Ray, always an honor. Well, thank you for having me. pleasure to talk to you. Yeah. Matt, so great to have you on. Thank Check me. out Probably Science yeah. at Matt Kirschen on your Twitter feed. Uh, thanks so much for being here with me. This has been Star Talk All Stars. Thanks for listening. See you in the multiverse. Mm-hmm. This is Star Talk.